Welcome to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. Words are powerful, more so than we often realize. James understands this and shares that followers of Christ are to speak in a specific way. Join us as we look to God to tame our speech for his purposes. There's, there's a truth to our world that we often don't think about. Small things can have huge impacts. We don't think about it in a very, it, this often, but just, just think about this for a second. Think about a small crack in the wrong spot on a very large building. We, we've seen this happen. That building if it is in the wrong spot, and even just a small crack can turn into a terrible, destructive moment where that building can collapse. It doesn't take a lot of imagination these days to think about how many ginormous wildfires in the West have been started by a small campfire left behind. Think about a small campfire, not even that wide, and yet burning millions upon millions of acres in drought conditions. A single command or strategy by a military can legitimately take the lives of hundreds or thousands of people, not to mention the people that that strategy might displace in refugees. You don't have to go too far back to remember the nuclear bomb. That is one decision, and lives gone. An allegation, whether it be true or not, can legitimately destroy somebody's reputation or career. A single unkind word that we utter can send somebody without our knowledge, into a deep depression. The smallest of things can legitimately affect the entire world. And it's this kind of wisdom, it's this kind of knowledge that James begins to address his next theme. We will be in James chapter 3 today if you want to get your your Bibles or your apps out and turn to James chapter 3. I'm going to read about 12 verses, and in these 12 verses, he addresses one of the smallest members of the body, the tongue. Now, without, it's a metaphor, of course, he uses the tongue to reflect the words that we use. We all know that we can communicate words, though, in far more ways than just speaking. We can communicate in writing. We can communicate with, with gestures. And as he addresses this, he will basically lay out what it means to be faithful to God, faithful to Christ with the very ways that we communicate, with the very words that we use. Remember, James is all about living out faith. And that faith, at the very beginning of a letter, 
is spelled out to be everything in your life you go to God for. How you think, how you believe, how you act, how you speak. Every piece of our lives we go to God for. That is what faith is. We go to him and his teachings and his ways and his will. And so, James just does the pointing out to us back to Jesus and how he lived and how he was. And we will find that we will be challenged because too often the way that we speak can be very reckless. The way that we speak can be very, very destructive. And the ways that we speak can be undeniably sinful. But as followers of Christ, we are called to something greater than what we know. So won't you read with me James chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. It will be on the screen for you. We read from the Common English Bible. But let us read together. My brothers and sisters... Not many of you should become teachers, because we know that we teachers will be judged more strictly. We all make mistakes often, but those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. When we bridle horses and put bits in their mouths to lead them wherever we want, we can control their whole bodies. Consider ships. They are so large that strong winds are needed to drive them. James didn't have cruise ships, everybody. But pilots, but pilots direct their ships wherever they want with a little rudder. In the same way, even though the tongue is a small part of the body, it boasts wildly. Think about this. A small flame can set an entire forest on fire. The tongue is a small flame of fire, a world of evil at work in us. It contaminates our entire lives. And because of it, the circle of life is set on fire. The tongue itself is set on fire by the flames of hell. People can tame and already have tamed every kind of animal, bird, reptile, and fish. No one, though, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison, and with it we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth? My brothers and sisters, it should not be this way. Both fresh water and salt water don't come from the same spring, do they? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree produce olives? Can a grapevine produce figs? Of course not. And fresh water does not flow from a salt water spring either. Immediately we see that James understands how powerful words are. And this is the kind of passage that really preaches for itself. The amount of metaphors that James uses in this moment is, you can imagine. We had talked about how a, a single fire can blaze an entire forest, right? But think about how we guide horses where we want them to go. We, like a little, small little bit that goes in their mouths. A thousand pound horse goes where you want it to because of a tiny little piece of metal in their mouth, Right? So the tongue is just like that. 
Your words guide your life. James would agree with our modern Proverbs. You ever heard that the pen is mightier than the sword? Or maybe the tongue is more powerful than the fist. And the reason why he holds this, he understands this, is because it is from his identity in God. Remember, James follows Christ, but he has been a Jew his entire life. The Old Testament is very much on his mind when he speaks to us. And if you take a whole picture of Scripture before Jesus, you might remember that it was God Himself that created with a word. And Jesus Himself is the word. Words carry power. Words carry meaning. Words have great capacity to destroy, but also to create. And that's why he gets a little cute, because James does get a little cute here. He goes, every single creature has been tamed by humans. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, I can't get my dog to come in when it's cold outside. I don't know if he's that tame. How are we doing with great white sharks? Have we got them down yet? <laughs> my, professor, my professor says, I think James is being a little exaggeratory here, but you need to understand that it's actually his identity that is coming through when he says this. Humans were in charge of naming all creatures in the creation. God didn't just create... He invited his humans, his, a part of his creation, to be creative with him. You're going to name the different animals. You are going to be a part of my work here. So when he says that every single animal has been tamed, it comes from that idea that we've been a part of that creative process. It seems impossible to tame some animals. And then he says something incredible. Unlike them, the tongue cannot be tamed. It cannot be brought under complete control, at least by us. And so we are presented with An issue. How do we begin to use our words well as people who follow Christ? Because we understand that the power of words go far beyond what we even know. A.F. Harper says this, Although the effects of speech are often out of proportion to the size of the tongue, these effects may be wholesome and constructive. How do we begin 
to bring our tongue under control? How do we deal with the amount of speech that is uttered in our world that affects us? Because let's really be honest. Every single one of us can think of a time that our words have hurt somebody else. We don't remember that, though, as, as the times that we've been victims of somebody else's words. Those usually stand out a little bit more. And we can sticks and stones it all day. It does not take away the reality that words can legitimately destroy another person. And so, the way that we are called to be as followers of Christ is, well, it points back to the very beginning. How do you live faithfully? You go to God for everything. You go to God for your speech. Just as much as your actions and just as much as your beliefs. You go to God for how you speak. And when we go to God, we are presented... This is from last week. Again, if, if, if you're a little lost right now, you can hear every single sermon on our podcast. You can always go back on Facebook and everything like that. But last week, we talked about how God presents us with the royal command. And that royal command is love God, love your neighbor. Every commandment goes through that purpose. Every command goes through that end. And so our speech is to be in love to God and in love to our neighbor. And who is our neighbor? Every single person around us. That's why James begins to share so black and white. Out of the same mouth come blessings to God and yet cursing of another person? This is not the way. This is not the way to be. In fact, a Christian cannot have this kind of double-mindedness in their speech. Luke Timothy Johnson says this, Nothing so vividly reveals double-mindedness than to have that curse proceed from the same mouth that blesses God. So if you are going to love God, then you are to use your speech in love. You are not to just love God and then curse other people. Now here is... Here's the hard piece of this. Oftentimes in our English social cues, when we think about cursing, we're thinking of crass, crude language that are usually four letters. It's often what we think of, right? Oh, he's telling us not to use those words. I am here to tell you that when, if that is the only way that you think about what cursing is, you are missing what James is saying. James does not have those four-letter words in his mind. You really shouldn't use those words. Let me be very honest with you, because very often those words are used in context of anger and in ways that are destructive and in ways that are, quite frankly, just mean. 
But cursing isn't just about the socially taboo words. It's the kind of language that demeans, dehumanizes, or destroys another person. It is language where we are putting somebody beneath us. And it doesn't just have to be in anger or in direct language to that person. You can curse a person and never talk to that person, ever. Speech that is in the line of cursing is lying about somebody or lying about a situation. And let me be very clear. We live in a day and age of half-truths where we don't tell the whole truth. Let me tell you, that's still lying. That is still lying. And if we begin to share with other people half-truths about somebody or something, we are bringing about curses to our neighbors. And we are not loving God and loving our neighbor. Another thing that we curse other people with is through slander. Slander is any kind of language that is an attempt to destroy somebody else's reputation. True or not. And goodness gracious, we have a world full of slander these days. Lastly, anytime that we use words to put somebody in a box to say, well, they are this, and basically puts them in a place in our minds where we don't love them anymore. In other words, they're an other. We are also cursing those. We have judged them in a way that is completely and undeniably beneath the love that we are called to live. Because guess what? Every human, every human is created and loved by God. And if we do not love a person because they think differently, because they live in a way we disagree with, because yada, 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 I've used yada, yada, yada a few times in this series. I'm sorry about that. Whatever you want to put in there, the ways that we divide ourselves, we are cursing our neighbor. It's that thought that goes in your mind. We need to help these people. Well, are they, are they responsible people? Are they from our country? Are they the same political party as me? Are they, are they doing the right things? These are moments where we are putting a person underneath us. And we are bringing about curses to somebody. Using language that isn't true, that is slanderous, and that is rooted in anger, division, or with prejudice cannot come from a Christian's mouth. It cannot. Because the moment that we do, we stop loving with our words. 
And the reason why we say it in this way is because James makes it so black and white. Can fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? No. It only puts out fresh water or only puts out salty water. So in the same way, a Christian only puts out loving words and loving speech. This reminds me of a meme. Jesus looking a little perplexed. When you told them to be the salt of the earth, but they choose to be salty to everyone on earth and said. It's funny, but it's not. Because you and I both know that we are capable of being salty with our language. We can be cursing with our language. We have grown up or been a part of churches that have been hateful with language. They have not been loving. They have set out to make enemies. They have set out to make it all about this or that. We are not to be salty in that way. We are called to be humble and loving as people who follow Christ. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, I agree with all of this, but Pastor Matt, you're forgetting something. Remember that first verse? Remember the first verse? It didn't say something about, like, this is really about teachers? Teachers are going to be judged more strictly? And we're tempted to do this. We are very tempted to look at this self-contained piece and say, oh, this is about teachers. This is about pastors and board members and, and group leaders and theologians and this is all about them Make sure that they're careful about what they say. And there is something very true to the fact that those who are leading in the church are held to a higher standard. Absolutely. Very much so. But before we go to think that this is just about the formal leaders of our church, of our faith communities, of of the world, even. I want you to think about this for one moment. How many of us have a child observing the way we act in life? We are all teachers on some level. How many of our neighbors know that we have a faith in God and they see how we speak and what we speak about and how we talk about other people and say, there's no difference between that person who says they believe in Jesus and the my other neighbor who's an atheist. We are all teachers on some level. The way we live our lives, the way we speak, the way we go about everything in our lives is teaching something about the Jesus that we follow. And too often, I am seeing people who claim Christ who do not look like Christ, who do not look like this very, very explicit picture of how we are to measure our words. Too often the church has looked more like obnoxious media personalities. 
Too often we are looking more like leaders that do not show Christian fruits at all. And we are emulating them instead of Christ. And sometimes there are people in the church that just look like spoiled brats. How this is not to be so. Our language, the words that we use are to be of love and love only. And the way it happens is through going to Christ and stopping ourselves before we say the thing that we want to pop off on somebody or on our social media feed. And we allow him to speak through us. Nathan Willoughby says it this way. Our mouths should be tools for declaring God's love, not harming and wounding through willful or flippant curses or tirades. But the beautiful thing is, James sees the destruction of the tongue, but he also recognizes that the tongue can be good. Remember what we talked about? God created with the very word. Jesus himself was the word of God. Oh, there's immense amount of good that can come through words. See, words, when given in love, can be a source of creation, can be a source of reconciliation, can be a source of resurrection even. And so to just sit here and say all of the bad would just leave us left with not knowing how to move forward. People in Christ find every opportunity to use their words to bring about life, not death. Think of the encouraging word to a child looking to use his or her talents in a great way and saying, yes, go for it. Yes, God has gifted you with this. Yes, serve the Lord in this great way. Think about a a willingness to listen and to affirm somebody where they are. Not going to somebody who is saying, I am struggling, I am hurting, I am depressed. And then we just minimize it by saying, well, God's with you, you're you're good, bye, see ya. Stop and listen. Stop and affirm and understand where that person is and be with them in that moment. Not just write them off with our language of Christianese. Using our tongue in love is an openness to ideas that are different than ours. And not putting down somebody immediately if we don't like it. Being somebody who is loving with their words is somebody that stops before they assign blame to everyone else in the room except ourselves. Being people of love with our speech means that we are 
very careful what we share. We do live in a digital world. And whether we like to think it or not, we sometimes use the words of others to share what we are thinking. And quite frankly, there's a whole slew of things out in the world that are filled with slander, half-truths, and opinions, and lies about people and about topics. And if we are sharing those things, we might as well have said it ourselves. And in the moment that we're really mad with somebody, instead of going to our Facebook post or to our best friend and dishing our displeasure and anger about somebody, we stop. And we say, this would look, well, this is slander. Because there could be something deeper here. See, friends, if we are faithful to Christ, our speech is measured, it is patient, it is edifying, and it is loving. It brings about life, it brings about resurrection in this world. It does not bring division. And yes, there is conflict. There is moments where critique is very much valid, but that critique is not to destroy somebody. That critique is in love. And the way that you share that critique is just as important as what that critique is. And when we do this, when we turn to God in every moment, especially in these moments where we're tempted to lie, to be slanderous, to curse another person, or, yeah, to just pop off and say the, the four words or the four-letter words that are taboo in our culture, God will give us wisdom and insight. I personally deal with this. I can't tell you how many times I've gotten something, I've been told by somebody something, and I just want to move. I'll give you a piece of my mind. I've gotten better. There's been numerous times in my life now where I stop, and before I send a text or make a phone call or, or go and visit that person who I might be struggling with, I pray. And sometimes it's days before anything is said. <laughs> because our language, when, when bent in and relying upon ourselves, can so often lead to that greater sin. So let us recognize that our tongues don't just have to be sources of destruction. They can be sources of creation and resurrection. And you and I have the opportunity as servants of Christ to bring about goodness in the world by relying upon him. Luke Timothy Johnson says this, the first and most important gift distinctive to humans is this power to name and to create language and by creating language also to continue God's own creative activity in the world. 
This week, I was able to celebrate the lives of two people in my life that understood how important words were. The first person, his name is Reverend Mark Briggs. He was from the Warren, I'm from, Warren, Pennsylvania. He passed away uh, a few days ago from pancreatic cancer. But Mark, Mark was this very gentle person. Like even the way that he preached, it never felt like he was ever getting too high in like yelling or anything like that. He was always this gentle, soft-spoken person. But Mark was not only a, a, a gifted preacher, he was an unbelievable chaplain to our, some of our nursing homes growing up. Mark was the chaplain at the nursing home my grandfather actually happened to be a part of. And Mark, as I got older as a teenager and as I moved into college, Mark began to affirm who I was, even if I didn't even recognize who I was, that I should come down and offer my gifts to the residents and to my grandfather. There was a little bit of extra there. Mark poured into me as a person, as a young person, who didn't have to, but his words were always affirming in the call that God had laid upon my life, even if I had not fully recognized it yet. And his words were good and loving, and he was a blessing to not only me, but to my grandfather, to the residents, and to our church. The other person this week that I, I was able to celebrate her life was Joan. I was, in the I was in the same room as Joan under five times. We were Any time that I would ask, hey, do you want me to come over? She goes, no, it's good. We talked on the phone, though. Probably not as much as we could have. But when I would call Joan on the phone, and I was trying to find out how she was doing, she would say a few words about herself, but then she would turn the conversation towards me. How are things going? How's Chloe doing? How's your wife doing? I'm praying for you. Thank you for calling me. I love you. I'm not joking. The very first time I ever called Joan, she said, I love you. And I remember just, I'm here, it's back in 2016. I'm just getting to know all of you. And the only way I'm getting to know Joan is through the phone call. And she says, I love you. She was an unbelievable person of encouragement. She recognized the power of words to bring love into everybody's lives that she was in contact with. She understood the power of words to communicate not only that she loved you, but that God loves you. And friends, our words must be evidence that we have the love of God. Otherwise, 
Well, the love of God does not come through. Destruction comes through. We are to be people who edify, who care, who love, who offer reconciliation and resurrection and life through the very words that we speak. And you can do it. You just have to rely upon God. Go to Him faithfully and He will give you the words to speak truth, to speak grace, to speak goodness into our world. Friends, may we speak with love in all things as followers of Christ. Thanks for listening to Champion Church of the Nazarene's weekly sermon podcast. We hope you are inspired by this week's message. We'd love for you to join us on a Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. We are located at 3924 High Street Northwest in Warren, Ohio. You can also join us on Facebook Live. For more information about our ministries, or if you'd like to contribute to our ministries online, visit us at championnaz.org.